Hey, 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 what is going on? This is your humble correspondent, John Ross Marcus Cox with the Way Too Much JRMC podcast. Hope everybody's having a wonderful Monday afternoon. Listen, I know it's been a couple months since I've uh, been here to talk with, with each of you, and I apologize for that, but today we're back with a very, very extremely important issue. And just to give you a little background, obviously, our legislative session here in Kentucky is back in back in full-fledged uh, and we're actively trying to get many pieces of legislation passed, actively trying to get many pieces of legislation not to pass, and all that good stuff. But the biggest battle that we are starting to fight this session is going to be on the topic of school choice here, here in the state of Kentucky. Now, as far as I'm concerned, the the idea that school choice is needed and necessary in the state is is not even up for debate. Okay, Kentucky's behind the curve as far as school choice goes. 48 states have, it, have at least charter schools in place. Every state within 300 miles has, has expansive school choice options, both public charter and private school choice. We have an absolute moral imperative not to trap poor kids in schools that don't suit their needs. And I think we all can admit now no single educational option is best for all kids. Parents are best to know what's best for their children. I think that we can all – that goes without being said at this point – and honestly, school choice, we know will improve all childhood education, including public schools. Competition promotes innovation and efficiency and abhors complacency. And if nothing else, we can all admit right now, the way we're doing it currently isn't working. There are areas where we have single-digit grade-level reading percentages, grade-level math percentages, all that good stuff. And so... This podcast, and I'm going to do another one as well on another school choice bill, aren't going to be here to try to convince people that school choice is the way to go. As far as I'm concerned, that ship is done sailed. So let's go ahead and establish that at, at, at the beginning. Now, I think there are unique things we're going to have to take into consideration here in the state of Kentucky if we're going to get school choice passed, notably the fact that what you're all going to find out, that we're going to have to pass a constitutional amendment here in order to even, do school, in order, in order to even have school choice here in Kentucky, which we, other states have not had to deal with. But we're also dealing. We're also dealing with the fact that the Republican Party, not just in Kentucky but nationwide, is at a pivotal crossroads of people that are of the old way of thinking, and that do things more in the more we'll talk. We'll call them the more establishment perspective, more authoritarian, more government control, and the more liberty-minded wing of the party, which is not just libertarian, but is also more of like a has more of a, a populist turn to it. As well, so um, just to make sure I keep this show to a minimum length, I'm going to jump right into this here because I'm also, this, this, this video is obviously for the general public, but even more so, it's for our legislators to, to watch or listen to or whatever. To, like I've been telling you all for the past couple of years, our legislators, they don't have endless amounts of payroll for people to read bills and explain bills to them and all that, so they kind of, they got to depend on the public, they got to depend on their, on their, colleagues and they got a lot of times unfortunately they end up dependent depending on leadership just to tell them what's in a bill before they vote on it and a lot of times it isn't the truth and so today we're going to be talking about hb2 house bill number two and the kentucky legislative session of 2024 and this is one of two school choice amendments that has been filed this one was again this one was filed friday and the one that i'm in support of hb 208 was filed almost a month ago this point has 32 co-sponsors where this one has five a five i believe and i know for a fact that 
at least a couple of them aren't fully aware of the differences in the two bills. Okay, so I'm gonna read. I'm gonna read to you this this bill. Okay, then we're then we give you a little bit more little bit more background on it. Okay, so again, we're going to pass a constitutional amendment in order to even have school choice in Kentucky. Now, why? Specifically, this one. So, if you most of us, I know we never read our Kentucky Constitution, right? It's I mean, goes without. I'm not trying to like. I'm not trying to uh, shame anybody or blame anybody. It just is what it is. N- n- neither had I until I started getting into this politics game. And so, Section 183 of our Kentucky Constitution. This was ratified in 1891. States. The General Assembly shall, by appropriate legislation, provide for an efficient, an efficient system of common schools throughout the state. That's Section 183. Section 184 goes on to say, No sum shall be raised or collected for education other than in common schools until the question of taxation is submitted to the legal voters and the majority of the vo- votes cast at said election shall be in favor of such taxation. Section 186. All funds accruing to the school fund shall be used for the maintenance of the public schools of the Commonwealth and for no other purpose. And going on to Section 189, no portion of any fund or tax now existing or that may hereafter be raised or levied for the educational purposes shall be appropriated to or used by or in aid of any church, sectarian, or denominational school. So we're talk- we have several sections of our Constitution that in 1891 stated pretty blatantly that any funds raised could only be spent on the common school system. Okay, now the history around that and why that, the politics of the day of 1891 are for another are for another um, podcast. But again, we I'm already saying I've already come to the conclusion that we need school choice in Kentucky. So I'm I'm reading you those sections to let you know the, that's what we're trying to overcome. So whenever we put this school this amendment on a ballot for everyone in Kentucky to vote on, we we're trying to get around those sections of the Constitution specifically. And we have to word the amendment as such to where courts don't think that we were subverting the, the meaning of our question or the meaning of our amendment and that the general public understands, you know, what it says. So going forward now, as far as putting it on this ballot, what are the nuances around that? Well, first of all, when it comes to legislation, we typically think of needing to do one thing and one thing in particular. And that one thing is... We got to get enough. We got to get enough votes in the general assembly for the bill to pass, right? That's pretty. I mean, it's pretty common knowledge at this point. In this situation, that isn't our most important leg or most important factor. Not again. It's a factor and it's a significant one. But I'm. I already feel confident that we're going to have the 60 votes required. Now, they, you may hear somebody argue we only need 58 or 59, and I can tell you those nuances later on why they're saying that. But I think if we're squeaking by, this thing ain't going to pass anyways. We need to be shooting for 65, 64, 65, 66 votes in the legislature so that we know it's going to pass out in the general public. But we actually have three legs when it comes to this thing. we got to make sure that we got the votes on the floor, obviously, with the House reps and the senators. Okay, we got to make sure that the language is going to pass Supreme Court muster, and we can talk about that when I get into the amendment here in just a couple minutes. But the most important leg of this, hands down, the most important leg of this is the fact that we're going to have to get 1.1 million people in the state of Kentucky to walk up to the ballot box and cast a yes vote for this amendment. 
Okay, that means more people than just voted for the amendment that would have done away with with any type with abort with basically not any type of abortion would have basically stated that no funds from the state could have would could go towards abortion in the state of Kentucky. But also more votes than just voted and failed to allow the Senate president and the House and the Speaker of the House to call our General Assembly back into session. So it, it, most of you may remember voting on those two ballot measures back in 2020 that, bo- that both failed. And I think they failed for similar reasons that we're going to talk about today. So, but in my opinion, making sure this thing is worded in a way that 1.1 million people can vote for it is the most important part of this. And I believe, I'm going to go ahead and tell you right now, HB2 is not, in my opinion, the way to go. I think it, I think it fails on several measures, but specifically on the ballot measure piece, getting 1.1 million people to vote for it. Now, where am I coming up with that number, 1.1 million? Well, in 2016, we had 1,924,149 people vote in that election whenever Trump won. 2020, we had 2,136,768 Voted in 2020 whenever Trump, air quotes, lost the as far as nationwide, obviously not here in Kentucky. So I think in my, you know, my gut tells me that we're going to have a little less than 2.1 million vote simply because with all the no excuse absentee ballots and all that stuff, there's no way we're going to have that kind of turnout again in the state. So if we average those out and say we're at 2 million, that means we're going to have 1.1 million voters in the state of Kentucky that are largely coming from rural areas, places where the public schools are the largest employer of the county. They have a lot of teachers, a lot of blue-collar workers, a lot of union workers, all that. So, but the other bigger, biggest fact, factor in that is the fact that, listen, Donald Trump's on the ballot. So we don't just need to get 1.1 million voters to vote for this thing. We need to get 1.1 million, and specifically probably 500,000 Trump voters, Trump, what I call Trumplicans, to vote for this thing. So we're talking about a rural populist electorate. So this is, we're talking about people that are socially conservative leaning. They are definitely more populist than they are than they are old school Republican. Okay, poor people that never that never vote, that never come out come out the trailer park to vote, but cannot wait to come out and vote for Donald Trump. Those are the people we got to get to vote for this for this bill. So there's going to be a a very uh very much alive class warfare aspect of this bill and we're going to get into that when we're talking about it. Okay, but I just want to give you all some background on on where I'm on where I'm coming from. So and then as far as the Supreme Court goes, we got to we got to be able to answer this question. Is the Supreme Court going to read this amendment? If it does pass and say, yes, the people read this, and when they read it, they understood what they were being asked. And I think there's direct pieces in HB2 where that answer would be absolutely no. Okay, so let's jump right into it. I'm just going to read this amendment to you. For those of y'all watching, you're going to be able to see it on the screen, okay? And then I can, I can pull up our other bill. I'll, I may do another. I'll probably just do a whole other episode on HB 208, but this is HB 2. This is filed by Suzanne Miles back on Friday. First, I'm going to read you the, I'm going to read you the question that will be asked to people. So, to give families and children 
more educational opportunities. Okay, that's fair. I mean, I can get I can get down with that. That's you know, there's nothing. Again, I would, I think we need to be using language that's going to appeal to more people. that looks like, talks like, walks like I do. And I think choices or options would be a better word than opportunities. But fair enough, we'll go with opportunities. Are you in favor of enabling the General Assembly to provide financial support for the educational for the education costs of students in kindergarten through twelfth grade or through grade twelve? who are outside the system of common schools by amending the Constitution of Kentucky as stated below. Now, let's jump back up into that. As you, as you, for those of you all watching, you can see I've got all kinds of red on this. So are you in favor of enabling? Why on God's green earth would we use the term enable in something where we're trying to, trying to get a positive response from 1.1 million people? We live in a state full of drug addicts, full of full of. Moms and mammals have been getting get, been that have been being labeled enablers for 25 years. Why would we use enable and not something simple like allow? Allow the General Assembly to provide financial support. Whenever we talk about financial support, I don't know about y'all, but I tend to think of a couple things. I think of welfare, and I think of alimony. So. But more than that, it, may, it makes me think of the government giving someone something that they haven't earned, okay, or that are in that are in a bad spot and just need some help. In this instance, we're talking about money that has been that has been paid into the system that came from the people. So we're just talking about giving it back to the people for the educational cost of students in kindergarten through grade twelve. Now, here's the deal. I don't understand why, we, why we're making that longer and saying kindergarten through grade 12 there because we already do this for college. We already give financial assistance for college. But if, if some push comes to shove and, the, and they ram down universal pre-K down our throats, I don't want, you know, I don't want pre-K kids having to, get, having to take the public option and then we're trying to drag them back out of it afterwards to, to, to get them to go to a private school or a – you know, a small Christian co-op or to be homeschool or to just to pursue and consider other other options that may be better for them. Okay, so then who are outside the system of common schools by amending the Constitution of Kentucky as stated below. Now, granted, here's what I'll say. When you when you watch the next episode and we talk about HP two oh eight, our questions aren't that aren't that much different. It's just that I mean we're just playing semantics. But again, we gotta get one point one million people to vote for it. So if there's a, a word in there that's gonna give total negative connotation to it like enable and financial support, why wouldn't we use something that doesn't have that doesn't have negative connotation? That's just where I'm at. Okay. So the, here, here's my other my other initial questions I had on here. Let's see if I left out anything from the question. So again, this as you'll see when we go into HB two oh eight, we talk about we talk about spe specifying that this is meant for families of limited financial means. Some people disagree with that. I don't care. I think limiting it and saying it's saying it's making sure it's, that people know it's going to be means tested is going to make it more popular in a Trumpican election. And again, as long as the General Assembly would define what limited financial means is, most of the states they do have some kind of means testing. It doesn't just go from no school choice to like everybody gets it. But I want poor kids to, to get this first. I'm just going to be straight up honest with everybody. So I think it leaves the door open for for the class warfare argument. So because there's no means testing in it. And what I mean by that is when the layup from the teachers' union comes out here and says, this is just a handout for the super rich, 
This is going to go to rich kids that are going to Trinity in Louisville or going to St. X in Louisville or going to one of the rich Northern Kentucky public, private schools. They're just going to put money back in their pockets. They won't be wrong. Or at least, or at least from the question, there's nothing that makes me think that, that, that they are wrong. This is very pro-General Assembly language. So the General Assembly would be enabled, and they would be providing financial support. Again, financial support, I don't think of things you've earned on that. So the General Assembly is being nice. It's like getting a, ta it's like getting your ta getting a tax return. You think the government's just being nice to you? No, it's just called uh, you overpaid in your taxes, and they're giving you your money back. And you know why specify K-12? Okay, so there, there we are on that. Now let's get on to the constitutional amendment. And... I'm, for those of y'all watching, I'm holding I'm holding a coffee mug here, but I want you to I want you to imagine that I'm an English aristocrat, okay? I mean I'm I'm having a warm cup of tea, and I got my pinky finger out, okay? And I'm tilting my 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 tea back, taking a quick sip before I read this to the peasants. Here's what the amendment would say: the first word, notwithstanding. What's that mean? The provisions of sections 171, 183, 184, 186, and 189. The General Assembly. Wait, wait. Sections 171, 183, 184, 186, and 189 of what? Now, someone may, may, may say, well, we're amending the Constitution. Obviously, we're talking about the Constitution. We need 1.1 million people to read this. And know what it's talking about. So right now I'm like sections 171, 183, 184, 186, 189 of what? And then even if I do know about the Constitution, it's like you led off with this. And I'm thinking, well, I don't even know what the hell this is talking about. So I'm not going to open up the Constitution for this. Because I already don't, already don't know what it's talking about. Keep going. The General Assembly may, and we're going to come back to this in a second. And here's this term, this, this term again, provide financial support. Again, you're going to be hard-pressed to find 1.1 million people to, to vote yes on something that sounds like we're enabling another social welfare uh, arm of the government. This, this reads like it's going to be another, another form of Medicaid or Medicare or Social Security. May provide financial support for the education of students outside the system of common schools. So, again, Section 183 states that the, the General Assembly shall provide for an assist for a system of common schools. This would add a new section that says it may also provide financial support for the education of students outside the system. If we're if we don't think it's a good if we don't know it's a good idea to institute this, why are we why would we even open up the constitution? So they say may in here. We're going to get to it in a second. They say it they say it two times. Okay, may provide financial support for the education of students outside the system of common schools. So if the General Assembly decides to give it to you, to provide you with some more welfare, they will. If they think you're being, if they think you're being, uh, if they think you're not being submissive, you're not doing what they're telling them to do, they'll just yank it back out from underneath your feet because they don't, they, they don't have to give you anything. Next line, the General Assembly may exercise this authority. People. There is not going to be 1.1 million people in this state that's willing to vote yes for something to where they're putting authority into the government. COVID ruined. I mean, there ain't nobody. Like, 
because you ain't getting no Democrats to vote for this thing anyways. That love that love authoritarian control. That love that love the government having authority to make you get the clot shot. You're not getting them to vote for it. You're somebody may exercise this authority by law. That just sounds scary. Authority by law. Hold, I mean, are you about to about to lock me up or something? What are we about, what are we about to do here? But here's the most egregious part of it. May exercise this authority by law in particular places. And again, imagine me with my warm cup of tea here. In particular places as it deems proper. Wait one second while I take another drink my my warm cup of tea. I like one sugar and one uh, one splash of warm milk in my, in my tea. General Assembly may exercise this authority by law in particular places as it deems proper. And I want to pull up another another little thing here for you. And again, we got to get 1.1 million people to vote for this. So I asked ChatGPT, I said, what rating level is the following? Notwithstanding the provisions of sections 171, 183, 184, 186, and 189, the General Assembly may provide financial support for the education of students outside the system of common schools. The General Assembly may exercise this authority by law in particular places as it, as it deems proper. ChatGPT said, the text you provided appears to be written in a formal and legalistic style using complex language and specific terminology. It is likely to be at a high reading level, possibly college level or beyond. Now, I want to come back and ask you this. We just talked about this. We need 1.1 million Trump voters, of which I, listen, I'm lumping myself in this category. You walk me into the ballot box, and I and I, I feel like you, you're talking down to me, condescending to me. I'm a no vote as well. We need 1.1 million people to vote for this. And was that was that description of how someone is of the level of read of reader someone's going to be at to read this thing? If ChatGPT is right, what are the chances we get 1.1 million people to vote for that? My argument and my stance is that we have a zero. A zero percent chance that 1.1 million people vote for that. Okay, now take another step back. I'm gonna go off the screen for a second and bring it back over to me. I want everyone to think about this. The same people that drafted the last two constitutional amendments, the abortion amendment, who wrote the amendment to try and make it to where the General Assembly could call itself back into session, which they didn't word that way. They worded it so that two, instead of the governor being able to do it, now two more people would be able to do it, call themselves back into, into special session. So these are people that have authoritarian an authoritarian outlook on the government. Those same people are the ones writing HB2. The same people that have had two bills written, HB563, from, was that last, either, I think two sessions ago, in HB9. So HB563 was educational opportunity accounts. Okay, and HB9 was a charter school bill that, was, that passed in 2022. The same people that, that have all swung and missed, struck out. They got four strikes. They didn't get three strikes. They got four strikes and missed on all four of them. Are the people that drafted HB2. And that's what Brent, and that, that's that's to me that's one of the most egregious things here that we have a we have a great vehicle already in place HB two hundred eight with great language 
that takes into account all those sections of the Constitution. Instead of creating a new one, goes in and revises Section 183, and we will talk about that section on, on, the, on the next video when I talk about HB 208. Right now, we're, we're focused on HB 2. We have, we have a vehicle there, but because of basically middle school drama, we have a small group of people in our General, general Assembly that will refuse to use that language. That is that is that is grown that is grassroots grown, that has been that has been vetted by grassroots people. That has thirty two co sponsors on it already. That has the backing of the people with all the money. It's going to have to support the amendment from now until November. You're going to have to raise awareness on it. But instead, we got a we got a bill who starts off with notwithstanding. Doesn't tell you what the provisions are that's talking about. Uses the General Assembly and uses very pro-General Assembly language throughout. Gives the General Assembly the option of doing it or not doing it. The Constitution's where you tell your government what to do and what not to do. What it's allowed to do and what it's not allowed to do. Not where you're going to say, okay, well, you might be able to do this if you want. If you think we're worthy of your financial support. If you deem it proper that I live in a particular place. That deserves it. That's not where. That's not where. You, that's not what the Constitution is for. And the, to me, the in particular places is the most egregious part of this bill. Because if we pass it, HB two will be codifying discrimination, codifying it. What if they decide all the black kids in the West End of Louisville? What if they deem it improper? To let them have school choice. What if they deem it improper to give all the all the redneck kids like my, like myself, like I was? They they deem it improper for people in those areas that have that literally in, unless this passes, they're going to have never going to have any other options because there are no there are no private schools. You can't homeschool and, and get any funds right now. There are no homeschool co-ops because there's no way to pay anybody to teach in the co-op. What if they deem it proper for the people in Bell County, Pike County, Estill County, Boyd County? What, what, if they, what if they don't deem it proper for them to get it? So what they see as a, as a, as a positive, I can't fathom voting for a bill simply because, okay, well, that won't, it won't come in and hurt my public, it won't uh, hurt my public schools all that, all that money will just stay in the rich areas. I can't imagine voting for that. No. What we need is a, is a bill... Let's focus primarily on parents on, on parental choice. Focus on empowering parents. We need a, an amendment that fundamentally changes the way the state deals with education, including the way the Supreme Court interprets it. We need a, we need an amendment that reduces cost to poor parents to poor parents of non-public educational options. And here's what I want here's what I want everybody to realize: poor in Kentucky. And poor everywhere else ain't the same. 
we could we could have a bill here that's next year that ends up that is limiting financial means to four hundred and fifty percent of the of the free reduced lunch income. That'd be like two hundred and seventy thousand dollars a year for a family of four. How many people in Kentucky do you know that don't that make more than that? And here, those of y'all that answered, well, I know some. Here's the other thing. Is the world going is the world going to burn to the ground if they benefit from this last? But all the people that make less than two hundred and seventy thousand dollars a year as a family of four get it first. Would you rather all of those kids, all of those families making up to a quarter million dollars a year get this before someone who makes more than that? Or would you rather pass something where literally entire demographics, entire areas could be cut off and discriminated against solely because they felt like they had to cut them off so they could get that person's vote in that area? So codifying discrimination. So again, we're going to dive in HB 208 on the next show. If anybody has any questions, concerns, any rebuttals to what I'm saying about regarding HB 2, I'd love to hear them. Now you can send me an email. It's jrmc at waytoomuchmedia.com. Find me on Twitter at waytoomuchjrmc. Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, you name it. But the fact of the matter is, HB2 is not the way to go. And I, we can go, I, I'll dive into this with anybody that wants to dive into it. And I'm pro- I've probably missed reasons that we, shouldn't, that we shouldn't use it as the vehicle to get through school choice. But again, to leave you with this, can we get 1.1 million Kentuckians, average Kentuckians, to come in and vote yes on this, and I'm going to leave you with this. Notwithstanding the provisions of sections 171, 183, 184, 186, and 189, the General Assembly may provide financial support for the education of students outside the system of common schools. The General Assembly may exercise this authority by law in particular places as it deems proper. I'll leave you with, I know with 100% certainty, we cannot get 1.1 million people to vote for that. Appreciate y'all listening, and y'all have a great rest of your day. Talk soon.